Welcome back to The Daily Poem. I'm David Kern, and today is Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. Today's poem is by Denise Levertov, who was a, a British-born but American citizen uh, who lived from 1923 to 1997. She was the recipient of the Lannan Literary Award for Poetry and the Robert Frost Medal, in uh, addition to another, a number of other poetry awards as well. The poem that I'm going to read today is called A Tree Telling of Orpheus. It goes like this. White dawn. Stillness. When the rippling began, I took it for a sea wind, coming to our valley with rumors of salt, of treeless horizons. But the white fog didn't stir. The leaves of my brothers remained outstretched, unmoving. Yet the rippling drew nearer, and then my own outermost branches began to tingle, almost as if fire had been lit below them, too close, and their twig tips were drying and curling. Yet I was not afraid, only deeply alert. I was the first to see him, for I grew out on the pasture slope beyond the forest. He was a man, it seemed, the two moving stems, the short trunk, the two arm branches flexible, each with five leafless twigs at their ends, and the head that's crowned by brown or golden grass, bearing a face not like the beaked face of a bird, more like a flower's. He carried a burden made of some cut branch bent while it was green, strands of a vine tight stretched across it. From this, when he touched it, and from his voice, which unlike the wind's voice had no need of our leaves and branches to complete its sound, came the ripple. But it was no longer a ripple. He had come near and stopped in my first shadow. It was a wave that bathed me as if rain rose from below and around me instead of falling. And what I felt was no longer a dry tingling. It seemed to be singing as he sang. I seemed to know what the lark knows. While my sap was mounting towards the sun that by now had risen. The mist was rising. The grass was drying. Yet my roots felt music moisten them deep under earth. He came still closer, leaned on my trunk. The bark thrilled like a leaf still folded. Music. There was no twig of me not trembling with joy and fear. Then as he sang, it was no longer sounds only that made the music. He spoke. And as no tree listens, I listened. And language came into my roots out of the earth, into my bark, out of the air, into the pores of my greenest shoots, gently as dew, and there was no word he sang, but I knew its meaning. He told me of journeys, of where sun and moon go, while we stand in dark, of an earth journey he dreamed he would take some day deeper than roots. He told of the dreams of man, wars, passions, griefs, and I, a tree, understood words. Uh, it seemed my thick bark would split like a saplings that grew too fast in the spring when a late frost wounds it. Fire, he sang. The trees fear, 
and I, a tree, rejoiced in its flames. New buds broke forth from me, though it was full summer, as though his lyre, now I knew its name, were both frost and fire. Its cords flamed up to the crown of me. I was seed again. I was fern in the swamp. I was coal. So you probably know the story of Orpheus. He was a, a legendary mythical Greek figure, and he was, a, he was a poet. He traveled with Jason and the Argonauts in search of the Golden Fleece in Greek mythology, and of course descended into the underworld of Hades to recover, to, to go find Eurydice, his wife. He's one of the, you know, more popular, more famous figures in Greek mythology. And he's also a, a figure who shows up in an incredible amount of of literature, whether it's Rilke's sonnets or uh, Neil Gaiman or Margaret Atwood or, or, or there's a there's a album a folk opera basically called Hades Town by Anais Mitchell um, that that portrays the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. So this is a this is an essential figure in Greek mythology. It's it's been of great interest for centuries and centuries now. And there's also been a great deal of, of scholarship done on what Orpheus means to the development of Greek religion, uh, the mystical element of it in particular. So definitely worth looking into him further if, you, if you're so inclined. Of course, here in this poem, we have a tree hearing Orpheus play and being moved and transformed and having its eyes opened um, by, by, by his skill. And Orpheus played the lyre, so with his skill with the lyre. And at the end, we get that fascinating set of lines. I was seed again. I was fern in the swamp. I was coal. And it seems that as the poem goes on, a sort of energy, a sort of creative energy is moved from the poet, from, from Orpheus into the tree. And the tree then ends up becoming um, the origin of, of fire. Um, it becomes, in and of itself, an artistic energy. Maybe it becomes the, the seeds of poetry or however you want to look at it. But the way that the poem comments both on the creative process, um, on mythology, and on the nature of poetry itself is really fascinating. Now, it's kind of long, so I can't say much more, but that's, I think, something worth contemplating. Um, I'll read it one more time. It is a little long, so you know, feel free to end the episode here if you'd like. But once more, this is... Denise Levertov's A Tree Telling of Orpheus. White Dawn. Stillness. When the rippling began, I took it for sea wind, coming to our valley with rumors of salt, of treeless horizons. But the white fog didn't stir. The leaves of my brothers remained outstretched, unmoving. Yet the rippling drew nearer, and then my own outermost branches began to tingle, almost as if fire had been lit below them, too close, and their twig tips were drying and curling. Yet I was not afraid, only deeply alert. I was the first to see him, for I grew out on the pasture slope beyond the forest. He was a man, it seemed. The two moving stems, the, the short trunk, the two arm branches, flexible, each with five leafless twigs at their ends, and the head that's crowned by brown or golden grass, bearing a face not like the beaked face of a bird, more like a flower's. 
He carried a burden made of some cut branch bent while it was green, strands of a vine tight stretched across it. From this, when he touched it, and from his voice, which unlike the wind's voice had no need of our leaves and branches to complete its sound, came the ripple. But it was no longer a ripple. He had come near and stopped in my first shadow. It was a wave that bathed me as if rain rose from below and around me instead of falling. And what I felt was no longer a dry tingling. I seemed to be singing as he sang. I seemed to know what the lark knows. All my sap was mounting towards the sun that by now had risen. The mist was rising, the grass was drying, yet my roots felt music moisten them deep under earth. He came still closer, leaned on my trunk. The bark thrilled like a leaf still folded. Music. There was no twig of me not trembling with joy and fear. Then, as he sang, it was no longer sounds only that made the music. He spoke, and as no tree listens, I listened, and language came into my roots out of the earth, into my bark out of the air, into the pores of my greenest shoots, gently as dew, and there was no word he sang, but I knew its meaning. He told me of journeys, of where sun and moon go while we stand in dark, of an earth journey he dreamed he would take some day deeper than roots. He told of the dreams of man, wars, passions, griefs, and I, a tree, understood words. Ah, oh, it seemed my thick bark would split like a sapling's that grew too fast in the spring when a late frost wounds it. Fire, he sang, the trees fear, and I, a tree, rejoiced in its flames. New buds broke forth from me, though it was full summer. As though his lyre, now I knew its name, were both frost and fire, its cords flamed up to the crown of me. I was seed again. I was fern in the swamp. I was coal. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. Post-production is by Logan Green. I'm David Kern, and we will be back with another poem for you tomorrow. <laughs>